Welcome back to Cresta in the Afternoon with me, Marcus Peter, filling in for Al Cresta as we continue to have conversations of consequence. Our next guest is no stranger not only to this program but also to Ave Maria Radio. Teresa Tomio is the author of many books and her newest is Listening for God, Discovering the Incredible, incredible Ways God Speaks to Us. She has more than 30 years of experience in TV, radio and newspaper and spent 19 of those years working in front of a camera as a reporter anchor in the Detroit market. In the year 2000, Teresa left the secular media, it's a wonderful conversion story, to start her own speaking and communications company, Teresa Tomio Communications. Her daily morning radio program, Catholic Connection, is produced by Ave Maria Radio in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And she will be talking to us about the reality of us moving into a post-Roe, post-Dobbs world and just the lopsided media coverage of the entire situation. Teresa, it's such an honor to have you on the show. How are you doing? Marcus, it's great to talk to you, and and thanks for helping us out here and all the great contributions you're making now to uh, Ave Maria Radio and AveMariaRadio.net. We love your work. (laughs) You're awesome. You're almost as cute as your baby, but we'll we'll save that for another story, <laughs> another day. <laughs> you know, I've I, I told you this before. If there's anything good looking about my baby, he got it all from his mother. Ah, well, you're a beautiful family. God bless you. <laughs> Thank you. And and honestly, you know, I'm I'm just honored to be part of the team and and to be able to contribute to the kingdom the way all of you have been. Amen. So, Amen. Uh, you know, th- this this is a big problem. This genuinely is a big problem. As soon as the leakage happened, mm-hmm. the sheer absurd lopsidedness of the big media companies about this whole issue. So, you know, walk us through what happened and where we're at right now. Well, I, it really is. It's it's not shocking, but then again, it is. I, w- I was talking to, actually, uh, the head of uh, Newsbusters this morning on, on Catholic Connection for my Fact Check Friday segment, and we were examining the study that I'm going to uh, dive into in just a bit. But for me, as someone who, as you mentioned, has been in the media for, you know, since dirt, basically, <laughs> okay, so getting, uh, getting up there in years. But it, it's to me, it's what really is, I think, shocking is when you look at the statistics. We know, most people know, that the media lean way, way, way to the left. That's mm-hmm. been documented i've written books about it so have a lot of other people and you comment but, on it all the time you help us realize right, because it. it's because i want people to be able to discern because we're bombarded with these messages and this story was so lopsided and so overly dramatic and such there were so many lies that were put out by the politicians by the media networks by the pro-abortion protesters and it's all semantics, and it's all meant to impact our emotions. And this is why it's so important to be aware of how big of a problem this is and to discern properly. So this study that was put out by Newsbusters within Media Research Center was called Lopsided, mm-hmm. and that's actually the title of it. You can find it at newsbusters.org. But pro-abort swamp pro-lifers, 153 to 57 in network Supreme Court leak story. So the story leaks last week. And, of course, the media go to town. Now, what they looked at actually were the big three, ABC, CBS, and NBC. Mm -hmm. And they looked at how many pro-abortion supporters they interviewed in response to the leak compared to how many pro-lifers. And it really is absolutely eye-popping. That's at so least three times more. Three t- at yeah. least three times, right. So 86 stories in our interview segments on the big three. This is what they examined. Again, ABC, CBS, NBC, evening and morning shows. From the morning of May 3rd, the day after the Supreme Court abortion case leak, through the morning of May 10th, so about a week, and found a whopping disparity in sound bites and guest appearances with abortion advocates, Marcus, overwhelming um, abortion opponents by 153 to 57 count, a 153 to 57 
count. So you're much more likely to see a Hillary Clinton, Elizabeth Warren, a Planned Parenthood president, as opposed to, let's say, a Lila Rose or a Mitch McConnell or someone else who is representing a pro-life voice to give it some balance. And this is a quite, quite scary in the sense that if people are seeing these messages over and over again and they all get the memo and they all repeat the same thing, mm-hmm. uh, there's some sort of, a, of, I don't know how they do it, but there's some sort of a direction because it's it's just so obvious now. I used to not say that when I first was looking at this years and years ago. You say, well, they're not actually talking about it to each other. But now if you look at the same phrases on the same day repeated over and over again, the same people there is some sort of an effort. I don't know how they're doing it. I'm not saying they're meeting every day and, and, and colluding, but there's there's a coordinated effort to put out the same messages right. and get their ta- talking points. There's a directed the narrative being there's written. A, there's definitely a directive narrative, and we need to be aware of this. And sometimes even those who are faithful and have a general understanding of the bias of the media, we too can be influenced by it. And I'm sure you've had conversations with people in the pews or mm-hmm. where you work or who, who have bought into some of this because they hear it consistently and don't hear enough from us in the secular media. So this is a big problem. And it was, it's been off the charts the last week and a half since this whole thing happened. And what's heartbreaking about all of this is, so uh, I don't know if I told you this, but my undergraduate is actually in communications with mm. a strong component in journalism. And you, you would attest to this. The rule number one of journalism is follow the evidence. Right. But well, this, it was. <laughs> it, that was the rule, but not anymore, unfortunately. Right. So can we even call this honest, unbiased journalism at this no. point? This no. Is, it's, it's agenda-driven. Mm-hmm. And it's not even journalism. It's propaganda. Right. It, it, it's the spreading of propaganda for a nefarious end. So uh, let, let's let's comment on this to our Catholic listeners right now. There are a lot of us who are still listening to CNN. They're still listening to MSNBC. Uh, they're still reading mainstream media. Uh, what what do we say to that, especially in terms of this whole Dobbs and Roe situation? Well, I think you have to take everything that the secular media say, especially on the issue of abortion, with a big fat grain of salt, Mm -hmm. and you have to question. I want to refer to a beautiful pastoral note that Archbishop Vigneron put out last year. It's called The Beauty of Truth, and it's really great, and it's it's very simple and outlines so many great points in terms of the lessons of discernment and discerning things that are coming into us in terms of the media. He talks about the fact that uh, we really right now have to be, as St. Paul says, people to test. It's even more urgent. And he's quoting, of course, testing everything, retain what is good, refrain from every kind of evil. And that's First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 21, 22. He's talking about this because he's addressing these issues that we're seeing, even a lot of commu- uh, communication confusion in the church with certain outlets that are doing the same type of tactics to cause division and to get more clicks and and more likes on, on their outlets. But so you have to question and you have to test. And if you're seeing the same message repeated over and over again, and it has to do, for example, with, with an issue so core to us as, as a life issue, mm-hmm. then you have to say, okay, where's the other side of the story if you're only seeing one side? And this was like totally lopsided. Mm-hmm. That's number one, so discern. I would also limit your amount of time uh, with the media and make sure, I think first and foremost before anything, I should have said this first, to make sure you're in prayer, to make sure you're reading scripture, to make sure you're staying close to Christ, because the closer you are to God, you mentioned my book, Listening for God, Mm -hmm. this is one of the ways that God helps us through the Holy Spirit discerning what is good, discerning truth. And the closer we are to God, the better we'll be able to discern properly. I mean, that's just common sense in the faith life, but I think sometimes we forget how important that is because as we heard right Good Shepherd Sunday not too long ago, my sheep hear me and they know my voice. Mm. We'll know the voice of Christ and we'll know when we're being fed 
a bunch of garbage right. versus the truth. Right. We'll know when we hear the voice of the enemy. Right. Exactly. And so exactly. So so as we as we dive right into this, uh, uh, for those of you listening, we're talking to Teresa Tomio, uh, who is a world-renowned author, journalist. Uh, host of Catholic Connections here on Ave Maria Radio and hosted by the EWTN Network. And we're talking about the lopsided major media network coverage mm-hmm. on this whole post-Roe situation. So let, let's, let's go right back into this. Let, let's not waste any time. How did we get here in terms of a journalistic framework? What happened? There was a point where America was renowned for solid journalism. How did we get here? Well, I dive into this in, in a couple of my books. So my very first book, Noise, which came out uh, all the way back in, believe it or not, 2007. And so much has <laughs> happened even since then. But mm-hmm. when I went to journalism school, and I graduated from journalism school in 1981, I had really good journalism professors, and they insisted on balance. They insisted on objectivity. They taught us about attribution, how important it was. They taught us about an, uh, anonymous sources and how rarely we're supposed to use anonymous sources. That's a last resort mm. because anybody can take such license with that kind of thing, and we're seeing that all the time. So what I think has happened when I did my research and from my own experience in the secular media is when they learn they can make a heck of a lot of money out of this. It, money is a big part of the agenda. It's not just the liberal agenda, but the other agenda that's equally important to them is money. Mm. And and so those are the two things that, that were playing on each other. And then I think also after the Vietnam conflict, and then you had what I say is the perfect storm, the perfect cultural storm. You had all the upheaval after Vatican II, their questioning of authority, that whole you know um, hippie generation, all these right. questions that were out there. And everything kind of combined, and little by little by little, we be, we began to chip away because the media thought that they were supposed to be, uh, rather than just being reporters and you know allowing people to decide. Well, no, then we have to take things on ourselves and become the voices of the people. And it's it's really heartbreaking for me because I I know that when I went into this, I thought it was going to be I was going to be doing something completely different than I am now. I mm-hmm. thought I'd still be in the news media. Now I'm I'm very happy, much more happy than I was when I was in the secular media. And we're but happy still, for it. Well, thank you. But it still breaks my heart to see what's happened to this industry that can do so so much good when it's done well. So uh, you know we're coming down to about two and a half minutes. Is there hope? for the general media narrative and and the network media narrative in in America for the future? Well, I never want to say there's there's not hope, but I think um, if we're waiting for the media to wake up and smell the cappuccino, as I like to say, um, (laughs) don't hold your breath. I think it's going to be uh, quite some time because what we're seeing now even is with with, uh, CNN, for example, their ratings are so horrible, and this is something a little bit new. I mean, they are are, are being so biased to their own demise. If you look at their numbers, mm. uh, CNN, I mean, I've never, I, I don't know how they're surviving unless they have uh, some big money supporting them because their ratings are so low and ratings are so important to the industry. Mm-hmm. So right now, no, I don't, I don't think there is a lot of hope. I think there is hope in the alternative media that are out there. For example, you know, Catholic Radio, Catholic TV, a lot of these good conservative sites that are doing great uh, investigative reporting and are covering the stories that the media aren't covering. But if we're looking for balance, if we're looking for good news coverage, especially about the issues we care about, it's not going to be coming from the mainstream secular media. A big reason, obviously, we mentioned the bias, but also because there are so many fewer reporters now. They're being affected by the economy, and they're not allowing beat reporters. Even if they are a beat reporter, for example, in faith, they don't have the training needed or the information and mm-hmm. the understanding of the Catholic faith, for example, right. or the Christian faith in general to cover it well. Right. 
So, or, I mean, or even the permission of their organizations, or, right. or or the resources necessary to be able to live that way. Right. It's not on their radar screen in terms of of understanding what faith means to people. It's something that maybe some people do on Sunday, and once in a while you go to church to get married. Uh, just being in the newsrooms, and this is you know I've been out of the secular newsrooms for for twenty plus years, but it's it's not on their radar screen. Faith and how important it is in people's lives. So, expecting them to cover it, I wish it would change. Uh, we can hope for it and pray, obviously, but in the meantime, we have to be very very careful what we consume, and that's why I really would recommend um, the beauty of truth from Unleash the Gospel and Archbishop uh, Vigneron. He's got a couple of great points in there mm-hmm. about unsubstantiated claims or allegations, manipulation of facts to deceive or harm really helping us discern properly. Thank you, Teresa. I've been talking to Teresa Tomio, who is a world-renowned author, journalist, host of Catholic Connections. Stay tuned as we continue to talk to, with Teresa about a potential new patron scene of journalism. I'm Marcus Peter filling in for Al Cresta on Cresta in the Afternoon. Welcome back to Cresta in the Afternoon with me, Marcus Peter, filling in for Al Cresta as he's away attending his granddaughter's First Holy Communion. Please say a prayer for the Cresta family. I also want to give a quick shout-out once again to my friends who just got married, Kevin and Gabby Hosseini. Please say a prayer for them. Uh, they, they got married nearly an hour ago now. And uh, say a Hail Mary for them on this Feast of, of Our Lady of Fatima. So... We were talking to Teresa Tomio earlier about lopsided journalism, and we continue the conversation with Teresa uh, about the potential of a patron saint for journalism. More than 60 journalists have written to Pope Francis requesting that a soon-to-be saint's journalistic work stand out amongst all his activities, and he should be deemed patron saint of journalism. Teresa, welcome back to this segment. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. This is such a neat story, and I think you're quoting from that beautiful piece that the Register did earlier this week. I think it was released on May 10th. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the title of the article is Titus Brandsma, New Patron Saint of Journalism? Question mark. It's, it's a really good story because it has a link to the letter that you mentioned in there, Marcus, and all these journalists signing this letter. We do have a patron saint of journalism, uh, St. Francis de Sales. We also consider a media saint to be St. Maximilian Colby, John mm-hmm. Paul II, and, of course, uh, St. Clair is a patron saint of television. But these journalists are really hoping that he will be named uh, the new patron saint of journalism because of his outstanding work. And it's interesting because there was this uh, kind of like this um, dichotomy going on where he was a Carmelite. So you think of Carmelites, you think of um, contemplative, of contemplative quiet, yep. and quiet. And yet he went out there and did lectures. He had a second vocation because he was very concerned about what was happening uh, with Catholic newspapers being pressured at the time when he was alive to print propy. Nazi propaganda, and so that was part of his mission was to make sure that they they did not print it and that they stuck to the truth. And he really uh, did such a great job, well, so well that of course the Nazis took notice and uh, and sent him to Dachau, where he eventually lost his life. But he's right. such a great example. You think about this, the timing of this. We were just talking about this study. We're looking about the craziness in the media. And their just total lack of willingness to put the facts out there when it comes yep. to this story on abortion. For example, them going crazy and saying that we're going to take women back to the dark ages, this is going to outlaw abortion, simply not true. Right, the Even sheer the absurdity measure, of yeah, the claim. It's, it's absurdity, right. And 
you repeat this enough and some people start to believe it, but it goes back to the states and they're supposedly all about choice and it'll give people more choice because then they can decide at the state level, which is the way it's supposed to be. Exactly. But that's not what they want to see. No, that's not what they want to see. So they put out an agenda, just like, for example, right, so many times we see this with different entities who want to put propaganda versus versus news and journalism. And he fought this type of thing and he's being uh, canonized this weekend, I, I think along with nine other people. Pretty exciting stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's amazing. In the 1930s, as as he's doing his work and he's publishing, he he did not pull punches from Adolf Hitler. Right. I mean, he wrote stuff like the Nazi movement is a black lie. The whole right. thing is pagan, which is mm-hmm. which is outstanding since they claim to be doing some kind of Christian work. Right. Right. He was very bold and he was very honest, but he also opposed, as this beautiful article says, language of hatred and division. That was becoming so common at the time. Does that not sound familiar to what we're living through right now? <laughs> right, right, and and that's why now more than ever we need the witness of of, of true, courageous, bold, steadfast journalists who are willing mm-hmm. to step. People like you, you know, I've commented this to you, Teresa, before. I don't know how it is you do what you do. You you step into the trenches every single day, and yet you don't lose your hope despite the sheer darkness of the lies that you confront on a daily basis. Well, I think, uh, obviously, my faith. But it, it's not easy. And you and I were talking about this at the conference we were at a couple of weeks ago at your a wonderful high school, that it's it's a challenge every day. I was just telling you recently returning from Italy where I find so much peace. Uh, that's like my happy place. And, mm. and come back and, and all this is, is just, you know, going, exploding in terms of this particular story with abortion and, and, and the leak from the Supreme Court. And I felt myself losing a little bit of that peace, and I had to kind of regain and, and, and really get back into Scripture and get back into prayer and say, okay, all right, you know, I really have to make sure I'm doing what I need to do. But we have to remind people about the importance. It is so important to have these different outlets that we have to have these types of discussions, because if we don't, we are only going to be hearing one voice, mm. and that's not the voice of truth. Right. And and that's that's one of the problems, right? Biased journalism doesn't make for good reporting. It just makes for bad echo chambers, mm-hmm. which is what mm-hmm. we're seeing replete across society right now. And it impacts so many of us. It impacts everything we do. People make decisions. I think it was Matthew Kelly who said the way we live our lives is a way the way we live uh, live our lives is a way we see the world. So in other words, our worldview affects how we live and if we have a worldview that's given to us from the culture what -hmm. is that going to do the decisions we make and 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 at the voting booth and and in our relationships and again how we treat other people this is why it's so important to understand as archbishop shapu said so many years ago when he was speaking at at a pew center conference we need to know how the media works so they don't work on us (laughs) right and so uh, in, in light of all of this the the fact that all this biased journalism is is taking place right now we're seeing the advent of catholics who don't understand the very basic concept of proportionate moral hierarchies of issues mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so so that when people like you and i say abortion is right now the preeminent moral issue they take they take that to task because they they've been so conformed into these echo chambers that well you know no immigration is a, a equally important an issue or uh, healthcare is equally important an issue, but there really is an ordering to all of this, and we only get that when we learn to think critically and objectively. Right, and that's why I keep bringing up, and and I, you know, I, he's our archbishop here in the Archdiocese of Detroit. But this is this is something from a media perspective that's so important. Look up the beauty of truth from Archbishop Vigneron because he walks through these steps and why it's so important 
to discern. We have to have these outlets and we have to be able to explain to people the truth of the faith and to break through, uh, I mean, this whole just constant, constant bombardment of messaging that is just the opposite of what our faith teaches. And also to be able to understand when you're listening to a story how they pitch a story and how it's agenda versus a news story. This morning when I was talking with the Newsbusters folks on my show, I gave them an example of a report that was that was on the wire service that we use, which is a secular wire service that gives us the sound bites for the news that, that, uh, that we do here mm-hmm. on our various shows on Ave Maria Radio. Mm-hmm. And it's extremely biased because it's an NBC affiliate, but it's extremely inexpensive. And so we, <laughs> we kind of have to balance it, too. At least we get, the, we get the sound bites about the wildfires or the weather or what's going on at the White House. But I have to, every day, Marcus, I have to go through that so carefully and listen to everything to make sure that they're not pushing an agenda. And there was a story yesterday where they were talking about, earlier this week actually, they were talking about one of the protests that took place in New York City in relationship to Roe v. Wade. And this reporter was supposedly, the lead-in was all about the protest, the protest, the protest, going Mm. around at the country and outside Catholic churches. Okay, so you think your who, what, where, when, why, and how is going to be about the protest, how many people, where it is, what is the message of the protesters, and what are some people saying about the protesters being at their church? So what does this reporter do? And unless you have, you know, and this is, I'm trained in this, but unless you are following some of the steps that we've been giving you this afternoon, you're not going to notice it and you're going to be influenced by it. That's why this is so important, what we're doing today and talking about it. So what he did was he made a few statements about, okay, I'm here at this church in New York City. There's some protesters here. They're upset about the leak and what the leak says about the possible overturning of Roe v. Wade. But... Inside the Catholic Church, most of the people here are pro-abortion or pro-choice. Mm-hmm. Now, what does that have to do with anything? Were you there to interview and do a survey of the Catholics inside? Or were you there as a lead-in into your story Right. indicated? Were you there to report on the protests? No, they, they, they certainly weren't. I wasn't. Well, they were trying to put an agenda in there right. about the abortion issue, saying, well, it doesn't matter because it's fine for them to protest because most Catholics agree with this anyway. So they're putting out an opinion that they have yep. on what Catholics believe and trying to affect and say, see, everything's fine. They're protesting out here, but most of the Catholics inside the church that they're protesting support it anyway. Right, right, exactly. And, and you know, this is a great time to, to plug an event that's happening this weekend uh, there's going to be a pro-abortion rally yes. happening at the Diag at uh, mm-hmm. University of Michigan, and it's going to happen from one thirty to 3 p.m. on this Saturday, May the 14th. Well, Dr. Monica Miller, who is one of the strongest pro-life advocates in the world right now, is organizing a counter-protest, if you will, just to give a honest, loving pro-life witness to everyone. So if you're able to be there May 14th, one thirty to 3 p.m. at the Diag at University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, Please do be there to show your support for the unborn because they need your voice. They are the mm-hmm. voiceless and they need your voice. So, yes, and, and so, to be there to, to show a balance and, and to be balanced. And if there are reporters there, uh, introduce yourself and be polite, be nice, be respectful, and hopefully uh, give them an opportunity to interview you. I, I mean, there's so many stories that are going on right now that are just so, so backward and yeah. so um, uh, imbalanced. I was thinking of the, the way they covered the... Um, the effort by Chuck Schumer to supposedly, quote-unquote, codify uh, Roe v. Wade to go around the Supreme Court, whatever the Supreme Court may do. The way the media reported that story was they made it sound like, it, okay, this is going to make everything legal, and this is all we're doing. We're just making sure that women still have this right. But what wasn't reported was that this measure that Schumer was putting forward 
was also going to basically wipe away any restrictions, including parental notification. Do you think the media talked about that? Nope. In Schumer's efforts? No. Nope. No. And, and, and that's because it feeds into the narrative. Right. They, they don't want parents to be the primary educators and formators of the, of the children's souls. The, they, they want big government to be able to do it. But they also don't want people to know the real law, and they also take advantage of the fact that we're all busy, that we're all overwhelmed, we're, we're all you know doing so much more with so much less, mm-hmm. especially post-COVID, and that most people are going to read maybe. And when I was in J school, most people, you know, that we were told that most people didn't read first uh, past the headline in the first paragraph. Now, it's the headline or the tweet. Right. They barely even get into the first paragraph of a story. If, if that, they're actually they just, reading something. They right. just see the headline and scroll right up, and maybe the image that lends itself credence to the, to, to the headline. Right, exactly. So th- there's a lot of intentional propaganda going on right now, more so than ever before, because of where we're at with this very close to, if not overturning Roe v. Wade completely, please God, at least putting some, some limits on the evils of abortion from a legal perspective. But we have to be really, really discerning now more than ever when we're looking at our media choices. Amen. And what's important for us to remember, too, you know, coming down to two, two minutes 15 on the segment, what's important for us to remember is the the, the removal of of Roe is only the beginning of the fight. It kicks right. it back to the states. This that's is right. this is not that magic thing that's going to fix everything. And and we have to be aware of that. And I, I was talking to Doug Keck from EW Chan on my show, and we were chatting during the break. And and this is the time where we're really going to have to roll up our sleeves. And you know, we know that to whom much is given, much is expected. Amen. And, and those who have been on the front lines, like the Monica Millers and so many people that we know in the pro-life movement, they'll be doing more, and we all need to be doing more because it's, mm-hmm. it's just going to be beginning. It, it's it's a good start. But the biggest thing we have to do as the bishops are calling us to pray today, right, and fast today, we have to pray, obviously, for the overturning of Roe v. Wade for an mm-hmm. end to abortion. But we also have to pray for a change of heart, Marcus, because if we don't change hearts and minds on this, yeah, then we then we have even more work to do. Absolutely, Teresa. So do you, do you have an exhortation for all of our listeners right now, just an, 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 an encouragement and exhortation for everyone right now? Well, what really encourages me is, I think, looking at the lives of the saints. And, for example, we have these these new saints being canonized this Mm -hmm. weekend. Take a look at this beautiful saint who many journalists are hoping will be the new saint of journalism, Titus Bransma from the Netherlands, and look at what he tried to do. And so when you're thinking about journalism, think about the fact that we have to make sure that we are discerning the messages that are coming at us. And it isn't about propaganda. It is about truth. And we need to put the truth out there and support those who do. So I would just call on the intercession of this new saint, call the intercession of St. Francis de Sales, of course, Maximilian Kolbe, mm-hmm. Santa Chiara, and all of these saints, John Paul II, who did such a beautiful job of helping us embrace the truth of the media. And read the documents. Read right. the beauty of truth. Read Intermorifica. Yep. Read yep. Rapid Development by John Paul II and learn what the church gives us about the media. The media says use it, what the church says use the media wisely. Talking to Teresa Tomio, I'm Marcus Peter filling in for Al Cresta on Cresta in the Afternoon.